Welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, we've got Preston Taylor talking about his brand new special farm to TV. You can check that out. Also, actor Jackson Trent talking about his upcoming film, Bad Witch, that you can catch on demand. All that and more, please stand by. Tuning in for the first time, welcome to Geek to Me Radio, episode 218. I'm your host, James Enstall. Two fantastic guests this week. Let's dive right in. Right now, we're talking to comedian Preston Taylor about his new and first comedy special, Farm to TV. You can catch it on Tubi TV as of April 9th. Preston, how are you? Fantastic. How are you doing this morning, James? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for the time. Uh, It's interesting comedy. Is that one of the things that you knew you wanted to go into did you feel you had a knack for it did people kind of tell you hey you really should do this professionally where was the genesis of the idea for this oh that's interesting um for me comedy as a kid uh was was purely an accident i was a uh uh would you say a mama's boy and so for me watching my mom i'll never forget she was watching uh boomerang with eddie murphy uh, and I was 10 years old at the time, and she just would not stop laughing. And, you know, for me, it was kind of a moment of, aha, you know, uh, being a mama's boy, I always want to, right, get that attention, get that mother's attention. So <laughs> I was like, wow, here's a new way to do it. You know, let's see if I can make my mom laugh. And, uh, you know, over time, we had Harlem Nights at the house. Uh, we had uh, Golden Child and, you know, another 48 Hours and, of course, Coming to America. So, you know, we had all these Eddie Murphy films around the house, and it really was kind of my inspiration, uh, at least when I was younger. Uh, but then uh, with live sports and kind of, you know, small town living, it kind of became this back burner of a thing. And I was just horrible at public speaking most of my life. Hmm. <laughs> so suddenly in 2010 to tell my mom, you know, hey, I'm uh, on the stage doing comedy now uh, was pretty shocking for her. But it was it was really just a genesis of uh, I was living in L.A. in 2010. I took a quick hiatus to New York and I happened to be writing, but I still hadn't gotten on stage. And just being in New York for two months changed my entire outlook on life. Uh, the way they bumped into each other in the streets and hated each other. And, hey, F you. No, F you. All right, have a great day. Right? And that mentality in the subway where, you know, you got somebody playing a violin and then in the next car, dude's selling jewelry. And the next car, there's dude doing a stand-up show. And it helped me realize, you know, it really helped me get over my stage fright. I was like, no one cares. All right. You, you can be great. You can be bad. But at the end of the day, no one gives a damn. Just get up there and try it and see what happens. 
and the rest is history after that. Now you can't get me off the stage. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I watched your special and I was very, it, it seemed, I, one of the things I thought about, it's like, he's polished. He must have been, this has been something he wanted to do his whole life and he's good at. So that's funny to hear that you didn't consider yourself very good at public speaking or things like that. No, I, I was really terrified for a long time. You know, it, it really took uh, silly things, silly things like the thing in New York or triggers like, uh, I, I remember, uh, sad to say this, an old Saved by the Bell episode, but the old, <laughs> you know, you know, look out into the audience and, you know, imagine somebody in a chicken suit, right? Uh, it really silly things like that over time got me to where at least I was over that fear of getting on stage. And then, yeah, you know, once you start getting up there over time, the laughter starts building. You start understanding the jokes and timing. It, it kind of goes from a fear to then something you're way more excited to do. And I noticed on your IMDb page, you've got some uh, movies and TV series. Obviously, you, you find work and you kind of do those kind of things. Uh, it, it, it does help in other aspects, too. But one of the things I saw was RuPaul's Drag Race in 2009. <laughs> so what was that like? How was that? I love that. I love that you, you found the gym of all. You know, that's the fun. I knew one day in my life this was going to happen. So I have to tell this story. Um, so I got to LA in September or August of 2008. And I, just to transition from small town Kansas to let you know how much of a farm kid I was, I was paying 400 bucks a month in rent back in Kansas for one bedroom, one bathroom to myself place, all bills included. I get out here and it's 1200 bucks for a room in my house in the hills without any utilities or rent or bills included. Mm. So I have no concept of the cost change and I am not prepared for it. <laughs> not only that, my first job, I go on Craigslist thinking that's how you get jobs in LA. And I signed up for this modeling gig, and it happened to be RuPaul's Drag Race. So my 12th day in Los Angeles, I'm walking on the set. I have my own dressing room, and a woman walks into me. It happens to be RuPaul's assistant, and she says to me, all right, Preston, get ready. You got 10 minutes to Ru. And I said, ma'am, what does that mean? She goes, oh, you're about to meet RuPaul. And I was like, why? She's like, oh, he likes to meet all the people on the show. He's going to come in and hang out with you. And so sure enough, 10 minutes later, this giant, giant man comes walking in. I did not know RuPaul was that large, but if anyone out there uh, didn't know, RuPaul is 6'7". He could be an NBA player easily. He is a giant. And, <laughs> and, you know, we meet, and I love when he asked me the first question. He goes, so you're gorgeous. You know, your body looks great. You're gorgeous. Where did we find you from? What ad, uh, ad or modeling agency did we get you from? And I was like, oh, no, I was on Craigslist. And <laughs> like his jaw just hit the floor. He goes, first of all, I need to talk whoever we're using to find, <laughs> find people on Craigslist. He goes, but two, we were very fortunate to get you because I was, you know, that ended up being a ridiculous person dancing around on the show. And I um, I was actually just a, uh, what do they call us, um, kind of like fluff or, uh, or ad model. So uh, Absolute Vodka or Mac Makeup would promote the show. I'd bring out Mac Makeup. But I wasn't. <laughs> Actually, one of the drag race contestants. <laughs> and you mentioned with all the videotapes, you guys, and I say videotapes, it could have been DVDs, but I'm old, so my mind goes to videotapes. <laughs> Watching Harlem Nights and, and Golden Child and things like that. 
when you're obviously you're trying to make your mom laugh, but were there as you kind of aged and progressed and kind of gravitated more, were there certain comedic influences who kind of you feel were kind of the touchstones for you? Uh, definitely. Uh, as I finally like really decided to dive into comedy myself, um, I would say there's three people that really stand out the most uh, to me. And uh, he's just on a, a pinnacle, I think, of, of, of most comics uh, is Dave Chappelle. And it's just the ease at which he can tell anything and make it funny. Um, you know, and there's there's some comics out there and I, I, I don't knock their style, but I, I tell people that I'm a fan of wordsmith. And to me, Dave Chappelle is a wordsmith. And mm. that is not about body movement. It's not about... Right. That that's not the entertainment for him. It's all about words, how those words are put together and then giving you that great visual. And so for me, it just he's a master of that craft. Uh, so I really try to take as much away from him as I possibly can. Uh, and then old school people that I studied and, and really tried to take two things from were uh, Richard Pryor and Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, I tell people Rodney was probably one of my bigger influences, especially in the start. Uh, just because I love studying his work ethic. Uh, he was he was known for right, being this crazy and kind of outlandish person, uh, uh, as at least that's what he showed the audience, but he was manic behind the scenes, making sure that every word, note, uh, you know, situation, timing was down to a T. And for me, I, I was so particular about that. Like, I still carry a stopwatch with me, uh, you know, so that, you know, if someone tells me, hey, you're knocking out 12 minutes. Like, I literally try to hit 12 minutes on the dot. Hmm. Um, and I just, I got that from Rodney. He was that particular. Um, I remember a story where someone was telling me about how he would get ready for the Carson, Johnny Carson show every year. And why he would only appear once a year was because of how he would prepare for the show. And they said, oh, he not only wrote his lines, but that guy that stood up in the audience every year and said something ridiculous. Yeah, that was Rodney's guy. Huh. Every, everything that Carson said, everything that he threw up to him, Rodney also wrote. It's like Rodney was choreographed from the time you walked on stage and anything was said or done to the moment he walked off. And I thought that was brilliant because, you know, for us watching, especially at the time, it all seemed as if, you know, that random person was just saying something all the time, right? So yeah. He never got respect, right? So, <laughs> um, and then for me, Richard being the third influence was was purely just let it go, you know. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what that content is. Listen, I'm going to tell you that I smoked crack, and I'm going to tell you what was funny about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I feel like you that you have to have that level of let go on stage to be. Uh, it was one of the first things someone said to me after watching the show, which they said, you seem genuine on stage. And I said, you know what? I appreciate that the most because that's what I took from Richard's. Like he's just telling you what the real is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's an element of that. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to say old school comedy, but like the Richard Pryors and the Don Rickles and the red foxes and Rodney Dangerfield, who it's kind of, I don't know if you'd call it uh, the comedy has evolved, but I feel like it's moved past that point. But I feel like certain aspects kind of got lost. I wish some of those aspects would come back. Yes. Um, to me, these days, it's, huh, you know, I'm in that same boat and I don't want to get in that. Right. Where we, I don't want to say like we sound like old heads or something. Right. The way I could say it um, as the same way people say with rap. They've said that for years. 
but I don't think this time they're wrong in the sense of there was a generation like with DMX just passing where we really enjoyed the music, the lyrics, and it really did something to you. Where these days it's just put together and it's just math and beats and views. And it's almost as if comedy's gotten to a sense of what can I do or say that I know is going to be the thing that's going to get me views? What's safe? Right. Um, what's the formula that I know that's correct? All right. This is the formula that everyone says a joke's supposed to sound like, and this is how weird I can make it sound. Okay, go. Yeah. Right? And, and to me, no one's being original or authentic anymore. No one's going up there and really, you know, what I was at least hoping to do was sure it's a, it's a comedy special, but it's also the kind of that George Carlin storytelling mode where I hope you're learning some things along the way. You're having some fun. But, you know, this isn't scripted. This wasn't, you know, shot 12 times. This wasn't, you know, cookie cutter put together for you. It's kind of like the old heads was shot one time. It was extremely raw. And, you know, I, I want people, as they would say, feel it. You know, I yeah. want you to kind of look up and be like, oh, my God, he said that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and now, see, one of the things I learned, I, what not to tell children. Uh, one of the things to talk about. So there's stuff like that. And I, I did learn something from the, the special. To, so thank you for that. <laughs> Very welcome. You, it's funny, about five or six people reached out to me over this past weekend. And that was the first thing they brought up to me. They're like, it's amazing you said that because it's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like to, you talked about how you feel that uh, the world in general, too PC, too serious. I feel like that's something some people say kind of in the background. They don't they don't want to say it out loud because there are so many things, especially now with everything online and people just looking to cancel everyone else right and left. And it is kind of in a way, I almost feel like people are too serious, which is why I think comedy is needed now more than ever. But having that take on it, has that ever gotten you any blowback or flack or anything? But just by saying that people are too serious, people are too PC. We'll pause right there. Chat more with comedian Preston Taylor right after this. Please stand by. Ralph Garman, you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. You've made an excellent choice. I can't believe how smart you are. It's incredible. Your brain is as huge as your biceps. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Want to make sure we mention our premier sponsor, the the uh, people who make this show possible really the city of st charles and the greater st charles convention and visitors bureau the website for those of you who may be wondering what's their website discover stcharles.com that's discover st charles.com great place to visit uh this is we're nearing spring here nice weather is popping up more and more you're going to want to get out and do something if you're local to the st louis area great place to get out and do something is the city of St. Charles, the downtown area right there with Frontier Park, uh, just all the shops and restaurants up along. You can just we, we love taking our dog. We take Grimlock out for a walk up and down South Main and everybody seems to know. Oh, look, it's Grimlock. Uh, if you have a cat, you want to walk your cat. Some people walk their rabbit, which I find weird, but that's doable, I guess. Or if you just want to get out and get some exercise, you can jog. You can bike ride the Katy Trail. You can get out and play some Frisbee. Uh, just walk along the river. Have a picnic outdoors. It's a great place to visit no matter what you're looking to do. Uh, maybe you're trying to find a unique gift for somebody. Check out many of the shops where you'll find these small businesses that have been struggling, but they've stayed afloat thanks to your support. Uh, everyone who's gotten out and supported the 
these small businesses up and down along South Main Street here. Thank you to you. Keep doing it because small business is the key. We need to keep these places open, and we appreciate, and I'm sure they appreciate your patronage. If you're from out of town, maybe you've never visited before, and you kind of, this is the year, 2021. Hey, let's get back and start doing some things we haven't done before. Come visit St. Charles. Come stay there. Check out the website to plan your trip. DiscoverStCharles.com. That's DiscoverSTCharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with comedian Preston Taylor all about his brand new comedy special, Farm to TV. And we'd asked him, uh, he'd said before that he feels like people are too PC, too uptight. And we'd asked him, have you gotten any blowback by anybody for saying anything like that? You know, that's been a fun question because I shot the special two years ago and my last stop when I was uh, just going on doing the tour beforehand was in Portland. And I I hadn't been in com- I didn't do comedy in Portland before then. I hadn't done comedy in Portland. And the first place that I performed uh, while there, I the owner was kind of shocked. I went up last and. I went for, I believe, 15 or 20 minutes, and literally, yeah, I'm walking off the stage, and he goes, hey, just jump up, and, you know, you can keep going. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, please, just don't stop. So I went up and did another 20 or 30 minutes, and then he go, he asked me, hey, can you come back tomorrow? I was like, well, sure, I got extra time. Why not? And he pulls me to the back. I asked him what was going on, and he said, these people are dying out here because you're telling jokes that people up here are afraid to tell. Hmm. Right. A lot of that stuff that I was telling in the show, I was saying there and he goes, people are afraid to say these things here. He goes, people, they'll, he'll, they'll scratch the surface. But he goes, so many people get run out or feel like it's not safe to say because, you know, Portland's a hard, <laughs> you know, yeah. for me, I'm an out of towner. So I don't know any better. He goes, it was so refreshing because I have to watch the same stuff come in here every night. He goes, it, no one's on edge. No one's doing anything different or outside the box. And I remember uh, one of my best friends out here our first conversation when i dove into comedy and he was helping me get started uh we always told each other and we we stuck by this even when the show come out came out and that no matter what happens on stage or whatever i say on stage or whatever the joke is as long as i wasn't blatantly offending or directing something to or at someone directly it's all just jokes mm. It's meant to be fun and entertainment. I mean, the fact that you've seen the show, the fact that Mama Dorothy, of all people, who is 88 years old, watched that show in its entirety, and and she has all her facilities about her, and she didn't cuss me out. (laughs) (laughs) And her response was, baby, I loved it because it was just entertainment. And I was like, oh, if my 88-year-old grandmother can get that, I really hope other people can remember to get that because at the end of the day, you don't have to click on it. If you're that offended or if you're that upset, great. There's there's literally 10,000 other shows on other services. You can just slide over and click on one, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just – I. It, it's been a weird game, you know, especially getting on stage and, and watching other comedians navigate it. Um, and I've even had those questions posed to me by other comedians like, hey, well, do you, unless I feel like it's really offensive or unless someone pulls me aside and say, hey, you know, here, we don't really want to hear about this, I'm not pulling back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like even Jerry Seinfeld has said he he quit doing college campuses several years ago. Just because they're they're so uptight and they're so upset about everything, but uh, like you said, Mama Dorothy liked it, and if she didn't like it, she would just mow you down again like she did before. So, 
it's really hard to let that one go mostly because like people don't understand they're like oh yeah these jokes are funny i was like no some of these jokes are true like (laughs) and that one is so true like in the moment thinking about it i I was terrified because if you have think about yourself at like 12 years old 11 years old like you're pretty small and like your grandmother depending on her size can be an intimidating figure mine looked more like tyler perry so if you imagine that, if you imagine that running at you, you know, and you're trying to catch it, and 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 God has a hold of her, I, I mean, you're not going to win. <laughs> and that's one of the things too. It, they are such relatable stories. Who hasn't watched one of their siblings get chewed out, or sometimes, I mean, not in my family's case, beaten with jumper cables, and just enjoyed it because that's not me getting beaten; it's my brother. So stuff. It's very relatable stories. That's why I liked about it too. Exactly. I. You know, my hope was that, uh, and one of the, one of the earlier reviews came out and said that it's a comedy for everyone. And I was like, yeah, that was my hope that you know, even from a small town of, of four thousand, five thousand people, all the way to you know, living out in L.A., I was like, there should be a little bit of somebody's life in all of it. Yeah. Right. Whether you're on the farm or whether you're in the city, and he knows, I was like, there should be a little bit for everyone. And, you know, for me, the idea is that it's very generalized in the sense of I want to capture as big of an audience as possible without alienating people, which is why I really stay away from, you know, kind of politics and police and crazy topics like that. Like, eh, to me, that stuff's not funny. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And we should say again, Farm to TV on Tubi TV as of April 9th, your very first comedy special. What's next for you? Are you just still touring? Are you kind of already crafting a second comedy special? What's on the agenda for you? Oh, well, yeah. Now that this is uh, come to fruition and dropped, there's, you know, now you're getting the calls and, and TV and, and, and movie scripts are rolling in and things like that. So that's been exciting to be a part of and, and start reading on things like that. Um, I personally have already started uh, the second, <laughs> possibly the second show, uh, tentatively or, or at the... <laughs> At this juncture, possibly named Farmed and Dangerous. Uh, <laughs> right, a nice sequel. Uh, but the, the problem for me is I performed for the first time in a year two weeks ago. Okay. So it's been it's been an interesting year with COVID and, and me kind of really being in California, staying in Los Angeles here that I haven't – I've been crafting a show. I've been getting myself ready. But now that we're just getting back open – I'm thankfully just getting back on stage. <laughs> mm. That's kind of nice. So I guess like we've talked to a bunch of other people, be it uh, actors or directors or voiceover people who they've kind of taken this time when things have been locked down to just kind of, that's what they're doing. They're writing, they're honing their craft. So in that sense, I guess it's been kind of good. I I know that year off or this, you know, break, was either going to make or break people. You either had an opportunity to get yourself prepared for whatever was next, or some people were just going to fall behind. I took it as an opportunity to move forward. So yeah, I mean, at this point, I give me three to four months and I'll be ready to shoot farm to dangerous. I just need to go out and test it on people at this point. <laughs> Perfect. And we should, I'm just going to throw it out there. If you want to do a third special, do no farm. There's another one. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Writing it down now. <laughs> and if, if you bring it to St. Louis, we've got uh, the, the, uh, some comedy clubs here in St. Louis, like helium and stuff like that. So if you're ever in town, please reach out. Cause I'd love to see you live. 
Yes, no, so that is definitely uh, the plan for me next uh, with Farm to TV. Um, you know, it's going to be obviously a, a great vehicle for uh, my name getting out there and being able to travel more. Uh, so definitely want to hit the circuit and kind of do some of these jokes just to uh, give people a reminder. But then, you know, 85, 90% of it will be brand new stuff kind of getting ready for the for the next special. And definitely want to spend as much of this year now that things are opening back up. Uh, doing exactly that, getting on the road, uh, finding those new opportunities and, and you know, seeing new faces and being able to meet new crowds. Absolutely. Like I said, please let me know if you do come and uh, we'll be there with bells on. Again, Farm to TV, it's available on Tubi TV as a 4-9, so make sure you check it out. Preston Jacob Taylor, thanks so much for your time today, sir. Hey, thank you so much, James. I appreciate you all having me. My thanks once again to Preston Taylor. Make sure you catch that special, his very first comedy special, Farm to TV. Uh, just Google it, look up Preston Taylor, check out his website and follow him on social media. Really great guy, really funny guy, and we thank him for his time. We're going to take our next commercial break, come right back and chat more with Jackson Trent about his movie, Bad Witch. Please stand by. Hi guys, it's Emily Swallow. I have two things to tell you, one of which is, this is the way. And you are listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. Want to make sure you take a moment to go check out our brand new website. I say brand new, it's been around for a while, but we've given it a complete face, I say facelift, complete overhaul really. Thanks again to my friend Jeff Shelton for doing all the work on that. And thanks again to my friend Gary Caps for making it run so smooth uh, between the two of them we've got a pretty great website geektomeradio.com you can check out all of our previous shows and if you click that amazon link that's on there shop as you normally would on amazon we get a very small percentage of whatever you end up buying and that helps to support the show so we appreciate you doing that check it out geektomeradio.com let's get right to my next guest Right now we're talking with actor Jackson Trent. He's got a brand new movie out April 27th, Bad Witch, in which he plays Roland Grimm. He's also done a lot of voice work. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Jackson, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, James. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for the time today. I appreciate it. Of course. So, uh, Bad Witch, I saw the trailer. I haven't actually had a chance to watch the screener link yet, but it, the trailer is very intriguing. It, it has a... I was a fan of the movie uh, The Craft, and I get a little bit of, of like a male The Craft vibe coming from this, but wow, there's okay. underscores of others, a little tidbits I got, and that's just from the trailer. So talk a little bit about the movie, if you would. Sure, yeah, and I'll, I'll try to talk about it as best I can without uh, spoiling it for you, because uh, it's definitely something to be experienced. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, the film, right, it's called Bad Witch. Is definitely categorized as a horror movie, but if you go into it expecting horror, you're only going to be satisfied, I think, in certain areas. Hmm. Uh, I, I think I've I've mentioned uh, to someone before I was talking about this that it, it almost feels like a um, Tim Burton John Hughes fever dreams at times <laughs> <laughs> because there are. <laughs> moments where they get very serious with the lead character Xander and his witchcraft. And then there are moments um, where my relationship with Xander is kind of expounded upon and almost like this fun kind of look, we're just witches having fun kind of a way. Right. And then it goes back to that serious again. And so it's definitely got this kind of multi-genre thing that it's uh, 
<laughs> that is juggling. Um, but for those who are a fan of B horror, it definitely delivers on that aspect too. Um, even reading the script, I was looking at some of the um, the blood stuff and things that happen, and I was like, I can't wait to see how they pull this off. And they did. <laughs> yeah, and they're just from watching the trailer. There's some, uh, I, I don't want to use the term brutal, just like brutality for brutality's <laughs> sake, but it, there's there's some rough scenes. But then again, yeah. like you said, I thought maybe I was confused. I had to rewatch the trailer because I'm like, well, that almost seemed like a little buddy witch movie, like a buddy <laughs> cop, but buddy witch. Um, it was yes. kind of an interesting take on it. So that's it was uh, really interesting just from the trailer that I was getting different vibes. So from your own words, it sounds like I'm not entirely insane. That's kind of what they were no. going for. <laughs> no, that is exactly. Uh, yes, particularly uh, Jimmy Hennigan, who wrote the screenplay. He um, <laughs> he definitely wanted something like that. So it definitely plays on on that uh, uh that whole switching the genre out from under you kind of thing while you're watching it and switching it back again that I think adds to the charm a little bit. <laughs> and one of my very favorite movies, it's a guilty pleasure of mine uh, from dusk till dawn. They kind of do that. It starts out like a bank robber movie and then it turns into this kind of B horror movie where George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino are suddenly find themselves trapped in a vampire bar. But it's, I, I kind of like that aspect and it sounds like there might be a bit of that as well in bad witch. <laughs> I I love the comparison to um, From Dust Till Dawn. I think that's great. It definitely has that. It's sort of like, because right, From Dust Till Dawn is this great, um, almost serious vampire movie. But then you have something like What We Do in the Shadows, right, which is definitely far more on the comedic aspect. And I think Bad Witch does a good job of, at certain points of the movie, kind of treading that line a little bit. And horror element, uh, the the horror genre, it is kind of far-reaching. There's the the supernatural, there's the slasher, there's the suspense, there's all those Ooh. psychological. So it kind of has a lot of yeah. different boxes in which horror can fall. But it's always, to me, a bankable type of movie. Like, that's something everyone likes to be oh. scared. So I think that's, uh, you can never go wrong doing a horror movie, in my opinion. A hundred percent. I mean, and even, um, I mean... A lot of the time it's fun on set, right? And then because it's just uh, – uh, but when you make it – I mean there's a reason why I think that horror B-movies are such a hit genre because you don't need um, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a horror movie. Does it help? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think what's really great is uh, – Audience or audiences are almost more forgiving when they know it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I mean, because it's true, right? I mean, whether it's anything like if we're talking, if we're going old school here, like if you're going anything from like Blair Witch to Unfriended, right? I mean, you have these kinds of films that just play off of scaring you without really putting a lot of money into a whole lot of other things, but as as audience members, and it sounds like as you are too. I mean, when when you watch the horror movie, like A Nightmare on Elm Street, I rewatched that movie recently, and uh, it's such a classic. But if you try to like uh, talk about it as being like uh, one of the best cinematic gifts, uh, <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time, right? But um, but yeah, it's because of that forgiving, like oh, it's horror, like um, the the goals and things that you want it to do for you are achieved without needing a high budget. Right. And then there are, there are horror el elements for me in movies. Like one of, one of my favorite scary movies is The Changeling starring George C. Scott. Uh, it's brilliant. It's dark. It's got a great story. And that's not one I think they sunk a lot of money into special effects. 
Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but but it's it the storytelling itself is brilliant and it has that sense of dread throughout the movie. Another one, uh, probably my favorite movie in the past decade, The Conjuring, which was brilliantly done. Oh. But then you've I got movies that are very guilty pleasure minds. I know it's not a good movie, but I like Freddy versus Jason, you know, stuff like yes. that. And because it, it, yes, it's got the camp Freddy elements in it. So <laughs> it's kind of funny how horror runs that element. You know, it doesn't have to be a great movie for it to be one of my favorites. But there are some yeah. well done horror movies out there Ooh. that are indeed some of my favorites. Yes, 100 percent. So when you're when you're acting, do you have a genre preference? Because you, on your IMDb resume, you've got a lot of different projects. Do you do you like horror? Do you like drama? Do you kind of find yourself drawn to comedy? What kind of ticks the box for you as an actor? Oh, that that's such a great question, James. I mean, I uh, I feel like I'm I'm at the point as an actor where I love and without without kind of like being a stereotype here. I love just getting to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I just and, you know, blessed with the opportunity to get to do something like that, it is, I'm just like on board. Like when I actually audition for a film and I get cast, it's like, and then I look at the genre. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Now let me see what I auditioned for. <laughs> just, just kidding. Well, a little bit, just kidding a little bit. Um, but uh, I do find that I do love making people laugh, but I also really like doing scary stuff. I particularly like doing things in film that um, I wouldn't really do in real life, putting myself in situations and in worlds that you don't necessarily hit on a day-to-day basis, but that you have to take, you have to hit it the way you would if it was a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just as an actor, it's so satisfying to get to, to get the play off of things like that. And I, I, as a, as a cinephile like myself, um, I would, I would of course love to dip my toe at least once into every big major genre. So getting to, uh, and what's funny, horror has come up a couple of times and not necessarily on purpose. Um, but because, uh, I've been told before that I give off a criminal minds kind of mentality. They're like, cause no one would expect you to be like the bad guy. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so it's funny how, and, and if that's not the case, then it's usually like, you're the, the funny next door neighbor. Like you're the guy who can get a lot of laughs out of people or the comic relief. So it's funny sometimes for me just to see how other people see me in certain roles and how sometimes I'll get a role for an attribute they say I have that I didn't know that I had, you know? <laughs> and that can be a great thing to have. It's it's a gift as an actor to be able to deliver that surprise. Cause again, if we're talking about, uh, cinephile and horror movies, what lies beneath Harrison Ford always plays the good guy. And then that twist at the end of the movie where he is the villain, it shocked the audience. Oh yeah. So it's one of those things. I think like you just mentioned, having that ability to, yeah, I'm I'm the best friend, the neighbor, but to have that underscore, like you said, the criminal minds thing, you don't see it coming. I think that's a gift as an actor. So kudos to you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. And we should talk about your voiceover work too. I'm incredibly jealous that you've voiced so many Transformers characters. (laughs) We've actually, we've, I'm, I'm an old school Transformers fan. I grew up with the uh, cartoon from 84. I bawled in the theater when Optimus Prime died because I was 10 years oh. old. And then we've had <laughs> Greg Berger and we've had Michael Bell on the show, people who've done the original voices, but you've got to voice Spike in Shadow Samurai, Frenzy in The Reckoning, <laughs> Megatron for crying out loud and Beast Within, Landmine in Project Nemesis, Omega Supreme in Post Apocalyptic, Halogen oh in gosh. United, and then Spike again in Shadow Play. How have you found voiceover work being and what is it like to play in that Transformers universe? We'll pause right there, come back and chat some more with actor Jackson Trent. Please stand by. Transform- 
Hi, listeners. This is Greg Berger. Meet Grimlock, Dinobot leader from Transformers. And guess what? You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Transformers. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Talking the rest of this hour with Jackson Trent, actor from the new movie Bad Witch out on April 27th, and a lot of voiceover work, too, especially in the Transformers universe. So we'd ask him, obviously, how he found the voice work to be and how it was to play some of those Transformers characters. Well, I mean, I am very, very fortunate. I am. Uh, I uh, It started with a YouTube channel, honestly, and a run in with probably my voice acting idol uh james arnold taylor oh yeah um who is just an amazing human being and i saw him actually when i was like 16 at disney world he was he was hosting star wars weekends and um all the famous people were there you know from all the different star wars movies but the person i really wanted to see was him and i got in his line i came up to him and and i asked him that stereotypical question that i would always ask <laughs> successful people how how should i go about doing it right and um, there's usually like a, a like a cop out answer or like, you know, check out my website or check out the book or, you know, whatever. And and sometimes you're really fortunate you get you actually have people that that get personal with you for a second. He did. And he had told me that the uh, the most important voice you can ever do is your own. And when he told me that, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to be a voice actor. So I got I invested in some equipment and I started my uh, started with my YouTube channel. And what I found out was there were a lot of people coming out with projects like Transformers, for example. I <laughs> I unfortunately did not get to see the original in theaters, um, but I did get to see the original Gen 1, the show and the film. And um, I love the live action movies and I know they get <laughs> crapped on all the time. But my standard for a Transformer movie is watching something turn into a car and then back into a robot again. And it definitely checks that box. <laughs> um, but there's so many people just on YouTube alone who are trying to come out with um, just these great projects of, of stop motion and animated and um, – and what's funny is my I don't know if you can tell from this interview, I have a, a little bit of a higher pitched voice. It's uh, it's a little tired right now, but um, my stream, I, you know, I'd love to do Optimus Prime, but my my voice just doesn't permit. But what uh, what's so great, though, is it's perfect for people like Spike. Um, and there is it's not on IMDb, but there's someone who does an audio drama based off of the long running Transformers comic book series and where I get to to do blur, which is great. Um or no, I'm sorry, drift. I said blur. I meant drift. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's great too. And hmm. I, of course, anytime I see someone's casting for a transformer thing, I always throw my hat in the ring. I feel like <laughs> it's my responsibility, right? Right. I'll be doing a transformer project, I have to try. I have to attempt to be a part of this project. You know. <laughs> you have the Guinness Book of World Records for the most Transformers voices ever. If that was the case, if you keep going like this. Yes. Oh, that would be so great. <laughs> that's not a bad that thing. Be- I mean, but that, that is what, that is, it, it, I love, uh, voice acting and there's, uh, you know, I've, but I, I'm in Georgia now before Georgia, I was in New York and there's the great part about voice acting is no matter how many projects I'm going in for live action, whether it's a TV show, commercial or movie that I'm auditioning for, or how many times I'm moving, I always can take my equipment with me. So voice acting is one of those things where it almost feels like that's my constant. Even if I go a period of time, like during COVID, for example, um, I mean, it's still technically going on, but even more so last year, um, my, I was still, I mean, voice work didn't stop. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone was still being able to come out with that kind of material. So it's like, I always feel like I have this baseline of, you know, oh, if I'm if I'm not doing any movies right now, I do have the opportunity to do this voice. Um, and I got to do this Minecraft thing recently called Songs of War, um, which was incredible and definitely one of the biggest things I've ever done. I mean, this thing was it was getting like millions of views and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, man, I, <laughs> I know I kind of dragged that question no. for a long time, but uh, but it's so much fun. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's interesting, too, because when we have, like, some of the older school voice actors, like the ones I mentioned on, and then we have someone like oh. Tara Strong, and they're like, it's it's totally changed. Oh. The way voice, the technology has completely renovated, because you used to have the group in the you know, the studio together, and they could kind of play off one each other. They'd see each other on the opposite side of the booth, and more yes. and more, that's not how it's done these days. And Kevin Conroy even said... In a way, it's almost depressing now because I'm sitting in a room <laughs> and just talking and, and I'll hear a voice say, uh, OK, do that a uh, little angrier this time. And there's not that camaraderie. <laughs> so it's great that it allows yeah. us to do it from anywhere. But it, I think it is also kind of technology's kind of uh, changed it in a lesser way as well. Oh, I definitely miss the camaraderie. But I think it just comes down to a lot of studios kind of know how they want the line to sound. And rather than using sometimes because, I mean, granted, I, I have I don't know too much about these things, but I would imagine it's probably more expensive. I don't know. I mean, it has to be more something or they would just keep doing it. Um, but I, I feel like it's one of those things where I, sometimes I'll see behind the scenes of, of different things where I'll see multiple voice actors. Like I think the Clone Wars actually did a really good job of having multiple people in the room. And yeah. I feel like. Uh, you know, as an actor, it, that's definitely that when they do that, it is 100 percent for the actor, because I know from the fact that most of my voice work is done either by myself or on a Zoom call with the director or on any call with the director or whatever. It's um, when you get to actually play off of someone, it does kind of create this very natural, real uh, feeling kind of scene. And you do, like you said, you get that camaraderie i mean you know heck if i ever did a project with tara strong i sure would like to be in the right <laughs> definitely and you've voiced other characters in the marvel and dc universe kingpin and captain america and then uh, captain boomerang ah. for dc are, are you a fan like when uh, some actors will do roles and they're like i kind of have a passing knowledge and others like oh my gosh i get to voice kingpin or wh where are you on that spectrum <laughs> oh i'm i am I am a ginormous nerd. I uh, <laughs> I am such a uh, an absolute. I'm I'm obsessed. I love it. Like literally, I went to go see um specifically Infinity War and Endgame in New York City opening night oh. at like 8 p.m. dressed as Captain America. Like that. <laughs> that was my uh, that was my experience. Um, so yes, anytime I get the opportunity. Um, to get to do something like that, uh, particularly with uh, Kingpin, right? Because Kingpin's one of those characters that goes back to. I remember watching the the old Spider Man cartoon as a kid on Saturday mornings. Like, yeah. you know, you, you know who Kingpin is. And then I loved what um, Vincent Dionofrio did with him in the Daredevil TV show. So it's like the opportunity to get to kind of continue that Kingpin legacy is very exciting for me. And I do get I I do get particularly giddy when I have the opportunity to do. Captain America and especially Deadpool, because um, what's funny is Deadpool, even um, after the movie came out, 
a lot of people were commenting on my cadence because I, I, I had the opportunity and a couple of uh, stop motion things on YouTube to do the flash. And people were starting picking up that my voice for Barry Allen kind of sounded like, oh, you should try doing um, you should try doing Deadpool. And so some other people started reaching out to me about, hey, we'd like to hire you to, to try to do Deadpool. And I did it. And then everyone was like. Everyone was like, oh, we got to get this guy to do Deadpool. <laughs> but uh, and I have a ton of fun doing Deadpool. But I mean, I am a diehard Captain America fan through and through. So <laughs> it doesn't matter who he's up against. When I have to say who's my favorite and he's in the bundle, I, I have to say Captain America. Of course. Yeah, that's it's great. That you, yeah, like I said, I love hearing the fact that actors are fans of the stuff before they get the parts. And then as they continue to do them, because that's always uh, that's always great to hear as well. Oh, yeah. And so with Bad Witch out on April 27th, uh, you're once again under director Joshua Land. He worked with before on I Like Me and you're teamed up yes. again with uh, Chris Kozlowski. That's got to be a very comforting sense that you're working on a project, but you kind of know it's like coming working with family a little bit when you get to know a person. You've already worked with them on projects, both as a director and an actor. We're going to pause right there. Take our last commercial break. Come back and continue our chat with Jackson Trent. Please stand by. Hi, this is Me Loaf, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to our final segment here on Geek to Me Radio. Want to make sure we mention our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern. That's MarcusTheaters.com is the website. You can check it out to purchase your tickets, find what movies are playing, find the location closest to you with their movie location uh, tab. You just pull that down, find the area closest to you, the Marcus Theaters or the movie tavern location. You can get reviews on movies. You can buy your tickets right there on the spot. All sorts of things can be done right from the website. Also download their mobile app, Marcus Theaters mobile app, where you can actually purchase your concessions on that app. Let them know what movie you're seeing. They'll be waiting for you for a more contactless experience. And if you want to get out and enjoy a movie, maybe you're celebrating a special event, a birthday. Obviously, we're approaching graduation season, something like that. Rent a private cinema. Marcus Theaters has this on their website as well. $99. You and 20 of your friends hang out, watch a movie. Uh, you can get all those concessions like the popcorn and the soda and everything. Have it ready for you. Kind of set the whole thing the way you want it. And it's a great experience for you and some people, especially if you haven't been out to a movie in a while, that's a good way to do it. Marcus Theaters is bringing back movies in a safe way. You still have to wear masks when you're in there as long as you're not eating or drinking in your seat, then you can take it off. But they've got little kick plates on the door. If you go to my Instagram, uh, Instagram at geekmeradio.com, you can see the reel I put up there. kind of shows you how simple it is to go back to the movies, how safe it is, and no one's bringing you a better movie experience than Marcus Theaters. Again, check out the website, marcustheaters.com for the location closest to you, the best movie going experience in the galaxy wrapping up our conversation with actor jackson trent and we'd asked him about uh with this movie bad witch working with people who, with whom he's already worked oh 100 percent, james i mean it's just it does become like family and what's funny is bad witch was technically the third film i shot with these guys and it started with me auditioning for a film called ape canyon um which i think comes out on amazon this weekend and when uh, that was the first time I auditioned for them in New York, they had driven up from Baltimore to do because um, they wanted uh, they, they drew to a bunch of different places. And I auditioned for them live in New York. And then I got to do a callback on Skype um, once they made it back to Baltimore. And then they that's when they told me on the call. They're like, hey, we'd love to have you a part of this. 
And then that ended up getting pushed a year because of um, location problems. Cause this was around the time where there was, I mean, this has happened several times, so this probably isn't super helpful, but there was a particular um, forest fire sweeping mm. the Washington area, I think back in 20, 2017, it was 2017. Um, which is when we were going to shoot it. And so they pushed it to 2018. And instead, they were like, hey, you know, sorry, we aren't going to get to work with you this year. We have another film we're doing called I Like Me. Why don't you, um, you know, take a Greyhound down to Baltimore um, for about a week? Um, I, I only had a couple of scenes, but it was it was so much fun getting to know them. And I love traveling when I work. I think when someone's like, hey, we're shooting something, but it's not in the state you're in. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's something so exciting about that. And so um, I had a blast that and getting to know Josh and Victor. And then, of course, Chris and then Anna in that movie, who I also acted with in a canyon. Um, it was just great getting to know them. And so then you fast forward to the summer of 2018. We shoot. Ape Canyon, fortunately in June. And then we had about a two week break and then we shot Bad Witch in July. So at that point, by the time we were shooting Bad Witch, I was so comfortable with, <laughs> with the crew who and each and every one of them was incredible. And um, with Chris at that point, which I, I feel like helped with the film because we do become hard and fast friends in Bad Witch. Yeah. And so it provided this great opportunity of the fact that we had gotten to know each, even after I liked me, like he, he was doing a lot of uh, theater in Connecticut, he and uh, Anna. And so I would go and watch them do this stuff. And so like there was this constant bonding going on. Um, and I feel like that helped. And as an actor, you know, it's always fun when you enter a new space, but there's something familiar and uh, easier almost when you're working with people that you've worked with before and you know what they want, particularly from a director. Um, having worked with Josh and Victor three times now, by the time we got to that third movie and they would give me a little direction, I, you know, you know, I knew exactly what they wanted, exactly what they were going for, which is kind of what you get. And I feel like that's why you have so many directors, right. Who love to reuse the same actors, oh, yeah. like Wes Anderson and Bill Murray or Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. I mean, there's always just this, um, because they know what the other one wants. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to have found that in Josh and Victor. Very cool. Yeah. James Gunn, Michael Rooker, kind of that same relationship. They, they're always, yes, you know, have that, I love their relationship. <laughs> it's, it's always fun. And it, I guess, like, like you said, makes you better as an actor. Cause you ha kind of, uh, you have the nerves gone and you kind of almost have a shorthand with the director yeah. and with your fellow actors. So that that's always great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you can watch for Bad Witch, April 27th, video on demand. Is there anything else coming out that you can mention or kind of tease at the moment? Ooh. Uh, well, I could tell you that uh, this actually tomorrow, I believe, that movie I talked about, Ape Canyon, uh, is coming to Amazon uh, and a couple of other uh, uh, streaming services and video on demand. Um, and then, of course, we have Bad Witch. And then after Bad Witch, either later this year or early next year, I have this new... Um, uh, Minecraft animated series that I'm really excited about that uh, should be dropping around then. And uh, I am the lead in this one and it's called Starfall and it's going to be on point. <laughs> Very and cool. then uh, I have another feature that uh, is uh, just, just about finishing up post-production called guys at parties like it um, uh, by Mattioli productions. And that is going to hopefully start hitting the, festival circuit later this year again uh, a very different film but also very excited about that one too
Very cool. We'll watch for that to come out as well. Where can people keep up with you online, website, social media handles, things like that? Aha, uh-huh, yes. Well, speaking of your uh, uh, voice acting stuff that, that you were mentioning with me, uh, which I'm always excited about, uh, you can find that actually my YouTube channel is my primary uh, source of releasing clips from things I've done, as well as um, voice impression videos and audio dramas and stuff like that. And that's Jackson Trent. Uh, all my handles actually are very uncreatively Jackson Trent, um, <laughs> but I do have that on YouTube. Um, I do, I do, uh, have an Instagram that I, anytime I'm on set or I get to do something, I like to post all the pictures and stuff on there that I'm allowed to post. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I do have a Facebook page and where I'll put links and stuff to movies that come out. Um, a website again, all Jackson Trent and actually a, a TikTok where, uh, I release videos, uh, little comic sketches about life of being a, a waiter in the food industry. <laughs> That sounds fun, too. A little something different. Good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been a great pleasure to speak with you. Jackson Trent, continued success to you. We'll make sure to check out Bad Witch and Ape Canyon and uh, look forward to seeing your other projects coming up soon. Thank you so much, James. That's going to do it for us. Another show in the books. My thanks once again to Preston Taylor and to Jackson Trent for their time. Thank you, as always, to Joey V for making this show sound as good as it does. Wouldn't be able to get through this show without him. And, of course, thanks to you. Make sure you check out geek2meradio.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at geek2meradio, facebook.com slash geek2meradio. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Geek2MeRadio. You find us there on YouTube to search Geek2MeRadio and subscribe. We deeply appreciate that as well. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch The Flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Arts. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. Texas, good night. This is James Enstall, host of geek to me Radio, and I have a mission for you. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geek2meradio.com first and click our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go to supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Game of Thrones Blu-ray or Sonic Screwdriver, click through from geek2meradio.com first. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds.